This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I am fired up for today because we've got Charles St. Arnaud. He is the chief economist at Alberta Central. That's right. Uh, Great to have Charles on the show today for a few reasons. One, he's recently been in the news a number of times commenting on the Canadian housing market, but it's great to get an outsider's perspective as well, right? right? Charles is out of Calgary with a focus on Alberta, but also the the Canadian economy, the Canadian real estate market. So this is a really interesting conversation. And we dive deep into where we're going to be at the end of the year, where he sees Vancouver pricing going. And I'm not, this is no spoiler, potentially up to 35 to 40% declines. Let's talk about it. And a number of other things that are really, really interesting. So strap in for this one. Yeah. And also about, you know, we've talked about what will happen with interest rates after things stabilize. Charles has a lot of interesting insight into what could happen, which, which spoiler alert again, is a new normal yeah. for what we've been used to. Regime change uh, is, is, is the talk right now with Charles and others. Uh, so yeah, this is a, this is a great conversation. And Matt, uh, before we cut to that, I just want to say we've had so much positive feedback about episode one, which was... Well, it wasn't the, episode one. Episode... Uh, not episode one. Yeah, no. sorry. It was... Uh, the first yeah. episode of the year. Yeah, that's what I should say. Uh, with Clint Murphy, goal setting, tons of people reaching out about that. That was... Uh, that hit a, struck a chord, I struck would say. Struck a chord. I might... Uh, I don't even know if Clint would take me on, but I'm, I'm, I might be looking for a coach now. Oh, I thought you... <laughs> apply to be his janitor. Uh, <laughs> I, I take you on. I didn't quite understand the uh, what you were doing, but yeah, no. Clint is uh, he? He's a force, eh? Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I think uh, I think the lineup will be long for Clint Murphy. No kidding. Um, and then also episode two of the year, uh, two of twenty twenty three. Brendan Augmentson too. Uh, so I mean, it's just the the hits. Uh, keep coming. That's right. Uh, needless to say, yeah, we have more in the can here. So get ready. I feel like, uh, you know, somebody said this, this is not to, to to pump our own tires. Somebody said the show keeps on getting better. I think it was Michael Ferreira. Yeah. Friend of the show who's coming on soon. And over at Anthem now. Yeah, over at Anthem. And you know what? I honestly think that's the case. Don't toot your own horn. We're, we're, no, we're, we're just getting, it's just getting better. It's, it's just getting started here. Yeah, the VREP community. So That's anyways, right. uh, and if you uh, are on Instagram, check us out on Instagram, uh, Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. You're going to find lots of interesting things there. And uh, more shirts coming. We've been sending out the last remaining shirts. Right. Sent out a few this week. If you want a shirt, get in touch. Share your favorite episode on Instagram. We're still doing some of that. We're still and, doing. Uh, you might get a smaller medium. <laughs> well, we've got... We've got some XLs. Uh, we've got we've got some shirts left. Just uh, share it. We'll we'll well supplies last. We'll we'll see if we can get you a shirt. 
But this is a fantastic episode, Matt. Why don't we cut to our conversation with Charles St. Arnaud, Chief Economist at Alberta Central. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Charles St. Arnaud. He is the Chief Economist at Alberta Central. How are you doing, Charles? I'm good yourself. Very well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for taking the time today, Charles. Maybe for our listeners, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, I'm uh, Charles St. Arnaud, as you said. I'm the Chief Economist at Alberta Central. Uh, to give some background, Alberta Central is the central bank facilities that provide uh, services to the uh, credit unions of Alberta. So the equivalent in, in BC will be Central One. Right. We've had uh, a few yeah. people from uh, Central One on our show in the past, so that's fantastic. Maybe as a, a, a starting question, Charles, how, how's the Canadian economy doing at the moment? Well, it's it's kind of an, in an interesting situation. Like it's doing well. We're seeing uh, the unemployment rate being some uh, one of the lowest level in history. Uh, job creation is still strong. We have some issues that are being tackled. We have high inflation that has been started creeping higher last year and reached eight uh, percent by mid twenty twenty two, and that kind of led the Bank of Canada to increase interest rate to try to tame inflation. And that's where I say we're kind of in an interesting mix where the economy is doing relatively well. The growth is still slightly positive, but the question is how the economy is being affected by those sharp increase in uh, interest rates. Right. And the and I mean, part of the, the reason, uh, I mean, it's great to have you on, Charles, but uh, part of the reason uh, we, we reached out was you know, recently, I know you've commented on on some insolvencies that seem to be creeping up, and more about the Canadian housing market, which we'll we'll get to for sure. You know, we we sell real estate in in Vancouver, and I feel like we've almost been kind of in a what feels like purgatory or kind of a holding pattern for the last six to nine months. Is that just the the real estate industry, or does it feel like uh, to you that the economy every month seems to be Oh, you know, jobs are, you know, doing better than expected. Inflation's higher than we thought it would be. Does it seem like we're really slow moving here or is that is that just us? Well, 
you kind of have that tug of war is that, of course, you have, like, you kind of, you started with the COVID reopening kind of push uh, the economy to be stronger. You had all those big hirings, labor shortages. So the, so the labor market is really strong. So people actually have jobs. Like well, the, the unemployment rate in Vancouver is 4.6% right now. So it's quite low. And there's more people that have, that are, that are working, having an income. So that kind of provides a, a certain level of support to the economy. But then on the other side, you have that tug of war where, well, higher inflation, higher interest rates will take a toll, but it takes time. Uh, like an increase of four, four percentage point in uh, the policy rate will take some time to start to exert its, its uh, impact on uh, economic activity. Obviously, the first casualty, and we see it coast to coast, has been uh, the housing market because it was clear that over the past 10 years or so, low interest rates were really a big factor, keeping affordability high. But now with the big increase in, in interest rate, affordability actually has dropped uh, significantly. So in Vancouver, actually, affordability is probably at its lowest since the 1980s. Charles, I'm, I'm just thinking this year in Canada, what are some of the biggest risks that the economy faces? The biggest risk is obviously one of the, where we are is that we've kind of stand yeah. at the point where to lower inflation, you need to obviously reduce inflationary expectations, but that means that you need to create slack in the economy. That means you'd actually need to slow growth and increase the level of the unemployment rate. So the, the, right now, the Bank of Canada is kind of walking on the on a knife edge between, okay, if I don't do enough, inflation will stay high and you'll continue to see further erosion of the consumer's purchasing power. But if I do too much, do I create too much unemployment and then I create a recession that's much deeper than what is required to bring inflation back? And I find the recession part is probably a bigger risk because we in Canada, we have big vulnerabilities on the household sides because of the level of household debt. Is that at the moment, yes, debt service ratios are going higher because interest rates are going higher. But as long as people have income, they'll be able to rebalance their, their, their budget, cut in discretionary spending to be able to make their, their debt payment. But that calculation starts to fall apart when people lose their jobs. So if the average household in Canada most likely needs to do income to support their debt level and to make their debt payment. So when one of those income disappear, that's when you may have a very negative uh, feedback loop. So, Charles, best guess for 2023, are you thinking we kind of stick the landing here? Is it a shallow recession potentially? Or are you thinking Canada goes into a, a deeper recession than, than people are thinking? Currently, I'm thinking it will be a shallow recession. We're already seeing big retrenchment in uh, consumer spending, and that will continue in the first half of this year. Because consumers are, it's what I've, I call the, the great consumer squeeze, is that suddenly they're seeing a decline in purchasing power because of their wage growth is not keeping up with inflation. And then on the other side, they have higher interest rates that are increasing the cost of servicing their debt. So they have less money to spend, so they have to retrench on spending. So that's kind of where I sit, is that you'll see a mild recession in the first half of 2023, and then gradually we'll see some, some pickup later this year. And, and Charles, it seems like most 
people are thinking that the Bank of Canada does a 0.25 rate increase in January. And then I guess it's anyone's guess uh, from there, but it seems like we're kind of peaking uh, is most people's thoughts. I'm curious what your take is on what the Bank of Canada does at the next at the next meeting and then throughout the year because if we do go into a recession do they do they keep the overnight rate where it is what do interest rates look like by the end of 2023 yeah um, it's very likely they will uh, increase again in January we saw the labor market remain strong uh, the latest inflation report continues to see some this some tentative signs of easing, but not strong enough to to kind of change the mind of the Bank of Canada. So we'll see next week. We have uh, the uh, another uh, inflation report on on Tuesday. So we'll see if we see more. What we get, we start to see more signs that uh, inflation is is easing. But I don't think it will be enough for them not to go again and hike in uh, in January. But for the rest of the year. We know we'll start to see inflation decelerate relatively rapidly starting in March. A lot of what we've seen in inflation is coming from energy prices, but already energy prices are are likely to be below where they were uh, in by the spring compared to where they were last year. So you'll start to see a drag on inflation coming from energy prices, but the concern will be kind of the rest of the CPI basket continues to increase at a rapid pace. For example, there's about two-thirds of the components that are growing at more than 5%. So that's where the concern for the Bank of Canada is. So most likely, my view is that they'll continue to keep rates stable at 425, uh, sorry, 450 for the rest of the year. I see the first windows of opportunity for them to maybe cut will be at the October meeting. But that will really depend on how inflation is going do we start to see core measure of inflation really having a, a solid trajectory towards target, which is 2%? And how is the economy also absorbing the rate hikes? Or do we see a deeper recession or not? So clearly, uh, affordability is going to remain a big issue for a lot of Canadians when it comes to, to real estate. Can we talk a little bit about Canadian real estate? And, and do you think Canadian real estate is healthy right now? Well, we're in for for probably a, a rough year in 2023. Obviously, the big increase in interest rate has changed quite significantly. Affordability, affordability have been deteriorated significantly um, with the rate hikes. Uh, if we look at measures of how much do you, how much income you need to buy the average home, for example, in uh, in various places, like in in Vancouver, you need a family income of about 260,000 to afford a benchmark house. That's about almost two times the average income in Vancouver. So something has to give. It's it's harder and harder for people to come on the market and that's the demand side of the equation is being constrained by by the rise in interest rates. So Charles, you you and your team and this was back in December I believe calculated that that prices in Vancouver would have to drop another 30 to 40% in order to be deemed affordable as it was over the last, uh, or as affordable as it was over the last decade. I'm just curious, can you walk us through kind of the calculations, how how you guys got to, to those numbers? Yeah, well, the way we look at it is basically we look, what is the uh, benchmark price in the city? So we're using 
what uh, the Canadian Real Estate Association is publishing. So it's kind of a normalized house price for kind of the average stock size. It's a bit of a it's actually trying to normalize house prices. Then we look at considering where we are in terms of level of mortgage rates, considering making the assumption that the person who's purchasing puts 80% down, amortizes its mortgage over the next 25 years. How does that look in terms of ratio of mortgage related to income and in terms of what is the minimum family income you need to be able to afford that house? And then it's kind of, if we need those, if we were to look at bringing those measures back to where they were on average before 29, the decade before 2019, how much house prices would have to decline, considering leaving everything else constant, so leave at current interest rates and current house and uh, and with the same like, amortization period and all that. Do you think it's feasible that that real estate in Vancouver could could drop 35 to 40 percent? Again, that's making the assumption that we go back to the affordability we had over the decade like between like, between 2009 and 2019. You can always ask your question, is that the right equilibrium? Is there a reason why affordability could be permanently lower going forward? And there is there is a case. There's a chronic issue. Vancouver has always been the most expensive and the least affordable housing market in Canada for decades. And the reason is, is that it's hard to build new houses in Vancouver. It's hard to bring new supply. So that is kind of preventing that adjustment because you still continue to have immigration and population growth in Vancouver that will need housing. So that's creating, that will help create a floor on the prices. So the ultimate correction might not be as bad because of those that kind of supply side uh, issues. You know, and we've been thinking a lot about that on the show and, and to, well, talking about it and thinking about it, like the idea if there's a significant drop in home prices, this new supply basically is just, and we're already seeing it, you know, projects are are put on hold, almost seeming indefinitely in some cases in, until until there's better days. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting issue to think about here is we've had a housing crisis for a long time. <laughs> we've had a supply issue for a long time and it just seems like the the current market conditions are just ex- exacerbating those conditions. Yeah, that is true. For, because if interest rates are affecting both sides of the equation. The demand side, interest rate makes that makes it for most households coming on the market, it's too expensive and they cannot afford it. But on this on the uh, developer side of the, the supply side is, well, my input costs are, are high. My the cost of borrowing to because they need to borrow to build those and before they get sold because right. they need some financing is also higher. So they will be asking for higher selling price. So there's going to be a, t- a tug of war between those two. Charles, there, there seem to be a lot of people that that point uh, point to history and and moments where there were steep inclines in 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 the interest rate followed by steep declines. Do you think that's going to be the case here? It all depends on how deep the recession is. I think if we were to get into a situation where we're kind of tightening too much, unemployment starts to rise too quickly, we start to see households starting to default on some loans, and you're gonna that a snowball and for the for the housing market, my big concern would be that situation is that people can no longer afford their mortgage and they're forced to sell their home 
creating an influx of supply of new listing that forced prices to correct even further down. So in that situation, you could see the Bank of Canada coming and reducing interest rates probably a bit faster, but what probably stands, that will be probably like again, late 2023. But there's also other factors that are more long-term that going back to the, the regime of low interest rate that we've had pre-pandemic, so what we've had in terms of interest rates since let's say 2009, might have been gone forever. A lot of the kind of secular headwinds on inflation. So all those global, basically all the factors from globalization that were helping to hold inflation back over the past two decades are disappearing. So that means that as we get forward, we're in a new regime where for the same level of, in, of inflation, we may actually have higher interest rates. So we might be closer in terms of interest rate to what we had in the period of 2000, 2000 to 2008 than what we had from 2009 to 2019. Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. And Charles, can you walk us through those factors? Because I, I think this is one of the, another thing that we've been, you know, uh, around here, at least thinking a lot about this idea of regime change and that, you know, the new normal from 2009 to the kind of the end of the, the end of the lockdowns in COVID, I guess, it is no longer, is there's now a new normal and it's back to, to kind of 2005 in terms of how, how, where interest rates are. Can you walk us through kind of, what those global factors are uh, in, yeah. in making those changes? Yeah, well, one of the, a big factor that has helped keep interest rates low over the past decade or so is that globalization has been a big factor. 
suddenly being able to relocate your production in China or other places in Asia, cutting massively into your cost, and then bringing them back to uh, to North America and selling them probably at the same price, but because it was so cheap, you didn't have to to increase as much to keep or the price to keep your profit margins constant. So you had that constant where prices were not having moved a lot because the cost originally was already low. But with with that already embedded in the system, with changes gradually where COVID has kind of changed the way businesses are looking at their supply chain. They're starting to think, well, yeah, doing 100% of our, of our suppliers being in China is not sustainable when there's a shock. Maybe we need to have more inventories in-house. So the cost for businesses is going to be slightly higher going forward to what they had in the past. That's going to be passed to consumer uh, just so that they could keep their, uh, their profit margins. And that will generate slightly higher inflation than what we, like, or slightly higher long-term inflation in the system than what we've, we've been used to over the past 10 years. And with higher inflation, Bank of Canada has still its mandate of keeping inflation at 2%. And that will mean that they will need to be having inf- uh, their interest rates slightly higher than what they had over the past decade to kind of compensate for that higher inflation. So, so it's kind of the part, if I understand, it's really deglobalization that's that's going to lead to kind of consistently higher inflation yeah. and consistently higher interest rates moving yeah. forward. I, there's maybe a part of deglobalization, but I think it's more the benefit of globalization has been internalized. There's no, there's less benefit to be squeezed out of the system. We kind of reached peak globalization in terms of benefits, and now it's like those benefits have run their course. If we have deglobalization, you'll have higher in, higher inflation than what we think. But if we just stay where we are, it's still slightly above. So it's a, it, it, it's mainly globalization running its course. The globalization would just make things worse. Charles, do you have any thoughts on which real estate markets in Canada will be hit the hardest uh, this year? I can already tell Toronto is probably primed for one of its biggest correction. If, if I look at all my indicators I'm looking at, from valuation to affordability, it's flashing deep red. The housing market in Toronto has never been that affordable, that unaffordable since the early early 80s. So even when uh, mortgage rates were were 20% plus in the early 80s, it was still more affordable at that time than it is now. So there's something we'll have to adjust. So I'm I'm a bit more worried by Toronto. Vancouver is still on that front, but because of its long history of always been unaffordable. I feel the market is is different. People understand more that yeah, it's unaffordable and all that. So it's a bit less, maybe a bit less prone to uh, to correction. And also, we we all know this supply issues in Vancouver are uh, are also stronger than in uh, places like Toronto. Then I would say Ottawa and Montreal are also two other cities that I would uh, I would look at uh, carefully in terms of of deep corrections. Yeah, potential of corrections. Yeah, yeah, that that's interesting. You know, even kind of more locally, we've been talking to to some people recently, and and just watching uh, sales ratios and declines in prices, and it does seem like there does like Toronto, in my mind, 
you know, not that long ago was quite a bit cheaper than Vancouver. And the last couple of years has led to, to prices, you know, at one point it was like pre-construction Toronto was more expensive than Vancouver. Um, and it does seem like this last couple of years, the markets that really, you know, had the insane increases are, are the ones getting crushed. And at least the city of Vancouver, I think it speaks to what you were saying. Uh, didn't, we didn't see that we saw increases, but not to the, to the same extent as Toronto and the Hamiltons and the, and the areas in Ontario, Southern Ontario. So it makes sense that, um, you know, the declines may not be as dramatic. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, also, it's always a question like each, when I, when I, I look at, at retail state market, I always look at it on a regional or by city as, as a, as a individual market. And like I said, the fact that valuation metrics in Vancouver has always been higher on average over the past 40 years in Vancouver than elsewhere. We also have to look at that. It's like, how are we, how significantly above those long-term average are we in Vancouver? And it's not as bad as in Toronto, Ottawa, or Montreal. So that's also in a, one part where local buyers are actually already aware or a bit more prepared for what they're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about rents, Charles, and I don't know if you, you track rental prices or think about rental prices in relation to, to real estate. But one thing that, you know, when I was thinking about um, the way that you're, you're thinking about, okay, what, what, where do home prices have to go to, to become affordable based on the metrics you've, you've described here? I'm just wondering how rents factor into that, because one thing we've seen in the last year in Vancouver is sales ratios plummet, prices decline, but rents, we've seen a huge increase, like dramatic increases in in rents here in the city of Vancouver and surrounding area. And and I just saw Capital Economics is predicting that Vancouver rents are going to be up another 6 7% this year, which will bring, you know, the, a one-bedroom, uh, you know, somewhere in the tune of $2,500 or, or higher, which is is really high. And it seems like, again, when you look at kind of just affordability measures, how are people even swinging that is, is the question. But do you think a lot in, in, in terms, or can you speak to kind of the relationship between home prices and, and rents? Yeah, well, there is a big relationship. And actually when I started, when I developed all my, my, uh, my models, one of the thing I've had, it was always that substitution you need to live somewhere. So you either own your place or you rent your place. So then the question is, okay, how does like, the most basic choice for, for a household is, okay, what is the what would be your mortgage payment versus your rent? Is your mortgage payment much higher, much lower? So that really ratio affects, of course, a mortgage is a bit different than a rent because in a mortgage, you also have that principal repayment. So it's actually just part of that money is taken in, in, in your pocket. So that is a part of it, is that if rents start to increase uh, rapidly, that calculation between owning and renting change too. So it makes mortgages or owning a bit more uh, interesting financially. But there's still also a limit where uh, it needs to still be uh, affordable. But at the same time, what we're seeing and it's part of what we're seeing and will be seeing in the next uh, year or two is that over the past few years, 
Because people went from being renters and going to the housing market being buyers. So you had lower demand for rents because people were, were being becoming owners. So that kind of put downward pressure on rent, higher pressure on house prices. And now we're seeing the reverse. People can no longer afford houses because prices are too high, interest rates have increased too much, and they stay renters for longer, yet population is still increasing. And that kind of increased that demand for rent and for rental properties and increasing uh, monthly rents. Charles, maybe as a, a final question, it, it, I mean, I know a lot of uh, what you're doing at Alberta Central is, is forecasting and, and right now seems like a very challenging time to forecast, especially accurately. And there's a lot of people that have, a, a, I mean, we can, you know, we've talked about just in the last week, several banks that have come out with varying degrees of how severe the the downturn will be and and uh, when the bottom is and when the bottom is and yeah. and what percentage decrease etc is it is it a really in your mind is it one of the more tougher moments to forecast or can you talk a little bit about right now and 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 the how complicated it is well i think it's very complicated because we're in a very unprecedented uh, situation. The Bank of Canada never increased rates by 4%, like or 400 basis points in the space of less than a year. That's one of the fastest rate increase we've had in history. Then it comes also after a long period where rates were very low. Like, well, the Bank of Canada policy rate has never been so high since 2008. So we're coming at, at a period after a period of very low interest rates, which have been embedded in households' decision making. So there's a big shift in their thinking. So those, so those are one. Then also linked to interest rates. It will be this year, or it has been over the past few months, but this year, almost everyone who renews a mortgage rate or renews its mortgage, will have to face a higher mortgage rate. Those who, who took a mortgage in 2008 and will have to be renewing just now are facing between 175 to 200 basis points increase in their mortgage rate. So that's, if you look at the past hey, almost 40 years, you had a, secu- a, a constant decline in mortgage rates. So most likely you were renewing at a lower rate each time we're coming for uh, renewing your mortgage. That's it. That's another change that we're we haven't seen in the market in a long time. So that's kind of some of those factors. Then there's the whole uncertainty that how high does the unemployment rate goes? Because I think that for me, as an economist, that will be probably the biggest factor determining what happens to uh, house prices. If we continue to have a relatively strongish labor market, unemployment rate not increasing much more than the early six, like 6.1, 6.2%, we should be okay. There'll be some people that will default. There'll be some, inc- there'll be some increase in insolvencies that's almost a given over the next year or two. My concern is that if the downturn is stronger than what we expect, we start to see the unemployment rate increasing past the 7%, can we go back to having a situation similar to the early 90s? That, I think, kind of the template, that I'm the, the tail risk that we could uh, imagine if we start to see the recession being too, uh, deeper than we think. And for our younger listeners, Charles, can you remind us about the early 90s? Well, the early 90s, it, it, it felt in some ways, was a bit similar to uh, 
to uh, the, the situation right now. The Bank of Canada increased interest rates sharply to uh, to bring inflation down. Of course, inflation, uh, the interest rates were starting from a different point. I'm just trying to think to, to get exactly the numbers to give a, a, a good a good idea to you to, to the listeners. But we were about at above, like almost close to 10% in terms of interest rate by, by that point. So it's a very diff- it was a different situation, but we had a relatively deep recession in following uh, following that tightening. We also had other factors. We had a big recession in the U.S., so that kind of generated a big uh, a big increase in the uh, in the unemployment rate in Canada, and that generated big negative pressures on uh, on house prices. So the question is again: is that how deep is the contraction from the recession and how uh, how high do we get the uh, the unemployment rate? So, so maybe as a final question, Charles, uh, and thinking about you know this idea of regime change and and the early '90s, and and I guess we'll say Canadian housing as a whole. Best guess prices at the end of 2023, and what do the next three to five years look like? Yeah, it's. For sure, 2023 will continue to be challenging on the price side. I think we'll continue to see some uh, some decline, especially in, in the markets that are very expensive. So Toronto, Vancouver, there'll be some downward pressure on prices. Uh, same in Ottawa, Montreal. In the prairies, it's, it's a different animal. The market is not as expensive as the rest of of, of the Canada of Canada. So there's less pressure on uh, on prices and and for a correction. But then as we go forward, there'll be there's going to be a, an adjustment to the fact that, well, rates are going to stay higher than where they were over the past uh, over the past 10 years. So, again, that will limit the amount of uh, appreciation we can uh, we can have because consumers won't be able to qualify or afford those increase in those high or any higher prices. The big concern, the big, um, what could be a big game changer is what happens to to the supply side. Do we start to see a relaxation in terms of uh, building regulation, allowing more projects to be built? Do we see more densification of areas? Because that, unfortunately, that's something that will have to be discussed and needs to be uh, taken into account. It will need will need to happen. We need to increase the supply of new houses if we want to actually prevent affordability for to be from being permanently lower than what it uh, what it has been over the past decade right right and that's been a challenge here for a long time it's it's, it's a, a difficult tough nut to crack yeah. for sure <laughs> and i would add on that point that one of the issue i see often as an economist is what kind of supply are we building right I know for sure, like, for example, a big example here in Calgary, we're trying to kind of revitalize the downtown core, but we're building two one-bedroom and two-bedroom apartments. But where do you put a family in the one-bedroom, two-bedroom apartment? So it's also that. Are we buying what actually the oh, – are, are, we, are we building what the buyers want? Right. So that's, that's also that because if we just build – one bedroom, two bedroom condos, it's nice, but where do you put a family of four in a one bedroom condo? 
and it's tough to have a thriving city without a family, without families. I always say, look at every example of gentrification in any cities in the world. Think about Brooklyn. Think about East London. They managed to be gentrified because they were bringing the family. Right. Charles, we, we've got this segment called the Five Wire, five lighthearted questions that we uh, end every show with. Can you stick around for that? Of course. The Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full-service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Okay. So question number one is what is one book that you've read recently that you'd recommend for our listeners? Uh, the one I've, I'm actually finishing reading, it's actually Values by Mark Carney. Oh, worth it, worth it. Well, if you want to have a good idea of recent economic thoughts and a lot on what happened during the financial crisis and all that, there's a lot of good details in there. Fantastic. In the last few years, Charles, is there a new belief, behavior, or habit that has improved your life? Oh, I would say meditation. It helps me to feel more grounded. Uh, that's a good one. We've surprisingly never had, you know, in I'm over 300 episodes, uh, meditation, which <laughs> you'd think is a, uh, be a bit more common. But. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I, I have tendency to have a bit of ADHD, so it helps <laughs> to calm my mind. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, question number three, what have you been binge watching lately or a favorite movie recommendation? Oh, I'm not a big, uh, not a big TV watcher. I'm trying to think. I would have to come back to that one. I've... Well, may, maybe Charles, we got we got one more for you. Something you yeah. have purchased for under fifteen hundred dollars that has changed your life in the last few years. Hmm. I wouldn't say it changed my life, but I. It's one of those things that I'm like, why didn't I get those earlier? As crazy as it sounds, my AirPods Pro. Ah. We have had that before. On you the know show. what? And I, it's funny. I just uh, was recommended. A, I had AirPods. I was recommended a different brand of from a from a trusted uh, colleague who works in the hearing aid space, and they're terrible <laughs> compared. Nothing compares. Uh, it's not an ad for Apple, but uh, man, AirPods—they're the best. For me, it's just being able to not having the wire, not having a good sound, being able to hey uh, calls. Care. Video conference, everything with, with those on, and they sound great all the time. You go for sports, they hold very well. It's Yeah, it's good for that. Yeah, for sure. Well, Charles, how can people find out more about what you're up to and, of course, more about Alberta Central? Well, they can go on our website, albertacentral.com. There's a section called Insights, and everything I write on economics gets uh, published there, so it's all public. Fantastic. Well, well, thanks again for your time, Charles. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have you back if you have the time. Of course, anytime. Okay, thanks so much. (laughs) 
So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Charles St. Arnaud, Chief Economist at Alberta Central. Yeah, really enjoyed that conversation with Charles. Really loved how he went back into history and kind of some good explanations in terms of where we were. Early 90s. Early 90s. And you know what it reminded me of, and I didn't bring it up, the early 90s recession led to grunge music. Right. And for younger listeners of the show, it might explain why Chandler and Joey were were roommates. (laughs) (laughs) Does that that help? (laughs) By the way, this is another aside. Uh, Chandler. Yes. Whose name escapes me just came out with a memoir. Canadian. Yeah. Uh, I was in, uh, I was in a bookstore in Montreal. No big deal. My missed a flight was there for four days. Montreal is a great town, but it was in a bookstore there flipping through his, his memoir and his mother dated the guy from Dateline. Keith Morrison. Keith Morrison. Yeah. That was like his dad for a bit. Yeah. Can, can we go more than five episodes without Keith Morrison coming up on this podcast? Can you I, be anymore? So Keith here's, Morrison? here's the thing. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a pretty horrible Chandler. Uh, <laughs> geez. Can't believe you went there. Uh, this I can't is, remember he's, that he even said that. I can't believe I get, remember that. You used to get Chandler Bing, and now you're probably going to get it again pretty soon. Uh, here's here's a, a Keith Morrisonism that I'll I'll leave you with before we get on with the show. Um, <laughs> this is the outro. He he's doing he's doing uh, Dateline every year. He'll do Christmas stories. I know. I know. He reads. I didn't realize this. I was going to, and I actually meant to do this, and I forgot to do this. I was going to sit down my three-year-old and have Keith Morrison tell her a bedtime story, (laughs) um, which would have been great. eh? (laughs) But he did like the night before Christmas. Yeah. No, I know. Um, It came up. I I downloaded the podcast. That's why I couldn't share my season wrapped or whatever, because my number one was Dateline. Anyways, (laughs) fell Fellow Winnipegger, uh, Keith Morrison. Is that right? Yeah, I, I know. So. I knew he was from Canada. I didn't know. No, or our, I, that that actually that insight came from our old man. So I don't yeah. know if it's. Uh, I feel like it, he didn't footnote it in his right. text, but right anyway. And also the dad to Chandler Bing, stepdad, stepdad. To, well, yeah, he was. He mar- I think he married. This is true. I think he married uh, whatever Chandler Bing's real name's mom in real life, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Bing. All right. What else do we got? What else do we have? We have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for the whole show catalog. We have now really upped the synopses way easier to, to work with. And we have the live wire. This is our weekly mailer. We are sending out the pre-sale market actually right now the deals are starting to look really attractive. Sure. We have VIP access to tons of different residential pre-sales, some commercial pre-sales. You're going to get access to that on the live wire. We also have, of course, private client services. Because Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com slash PCS. If you want to talk about that or anything else, give me a shout at 
2854 or matt at Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Of course, we have that Kokomo line info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Well, have a great week, guys. Reach out if we can do anything for you. Interesting time in the market. And uh, yeah, looking forward to this year. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, we're off to a good start. 100%. Talk to you next week. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.